This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hello and welcome back to our Be Well podcast series. Our episode today is being recorded as part of the university's event scheduled for LGBT History Month. And we will discuss the challenges faced by the LGBTQI plus community in education with a particular focus on mental health and well-being. Joining me today, I have Ian Robotham, Assistant Director of Applications Management at the University and students, Maura Scott and Ryan James. Can we do some quick introductions um, so our listeners know who you are and why you volunteered to take part in the episode today? Hi there, I'm Ian. Um, so uh, I work at the university in IT, um, but I'm also one of the co-chairs of the Staff and Postgraduate LGBT Network. And in terms of the mental health aspect, uh, I'm also one of the university's mental health first aiders. Um, hi there, I'm Maura Scott. Um, I'm an anthropology and politics student. I'm in my fourth year um, and I am non-binary and a lesbian. Hi, my name is Ryan James. I am a third year geography and international relations student. Um, I am a bisexual trans man and I'm also with, in terms of like mental health, I also have a disability and I'm also part of the OSA Trans Forum. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. So identifying as LGBTQI plus can often lead to being discriminated against or being treated unfairly because of who you love and who you are. How does dealing with stigma or facing discrimination, both conscious or unconscious, affect our mental health and well-being? Um, well, this is something that I have experienced with. I'd say probably more than half of um, the people or my experiences of coming out have been kind of negative. Um and I say that does really have a um impact on your mental health because it's difficult, sort of. It's like you a lose lose situation because you know if you don't say it to this person and be gen like tell them who you genuinely are, then you're you can't feel this like you can't feel comfortable in that relationship. But then when you do come out, even if you know that that person will be supportive it's still a really it's sort of a difficult situation because sometimes people can think that they accept you but then later on you find out that they don't um so it's a long process it's not just um well in my case it's not just been like the band-aids been ripped off and I finally feel okay um and I think it is really it is really hard to lose people in your life um as well that really does take a toll on my mental health um, for me personally, um, I think going on what was just said, um, I really don't like the exclusionism. Like for a lot of like for me genuinely coming out was a genuinely pleasant experience. I have a very supportive family and a supportive network around me and which I'm eternally grateful for. Um, but I actually had to come out twice as trans because of just like the stigma, like when I moved to university, I was always known in the trans community as stealth, so nobody knew of my trans identity, and then I was outed by a doctor in front of one of my university friends, which prompted me to come out again, um, and that was terrifying for me. Um, I've never been outed before, um, so, you know, and then so I had to come out again, but for me, like, it's the exclusionism, like, people say, 
oh, you know what, I'm not all about this trans person, but I'm all these trans people, but I'm okay with you. Um, that really upsets me because, you know, just saying, oh, you're one of the good ones is like, you know, they don't care about my community or what we go through as, you know, a community or like the struggle or anything that. It's just, you're okay, but the rest of, you know, my friends are, I love, I have predominantly a lot of LGBTQ friends. And so when they say, well, you're one of the good ones, it's like they only care about me, but know nothing of the people around me that I associate myself with, nothing of the community which I identify with. And that puts an impact on my mental health because it feels like I'm not safe to discuss anything I'm going through with the community or anything the community is collectively going through. Like right now, in the middle of a pandemic, I feel like there's, with that person, I'm not able to discuss anything. It's just like, oh, I accept you for who you are, but then if I was to discuss something that was related to that, they wouldn't want to know and I couldn't, you know, disclose that with them. And it puts me in a very sort of unstable, you know, unsafe position and it affects my mental health if I were to talk about like dysphoria or, or something like that. It just puts me in a bad place mentally. So I think, um, you know, within the kind of LGBT community, a lot of the history actually influences this. If we think that um, in Scotland this year, we celebrate 40 years since there was the decriminalisation of homosexuality. That was on kind of the 1st of February of this month, um, celebrating LGBT History Month. Um, and that really has been that kind of long-standing issue with discrimination and you know some of that classification for a long long time um kind of homosexuality was um kind of um classified as a mental disorder um and it's um not that long ago that some of that declassification um actually took place so i think there has been that kind of long-standing stigma um associated with um the lgbt plus community which then kind of has the impact for 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 many people um kind of growing up we've kind of lived through the the eras of section 28 or um section 2a as it was in scotland um and so we've had that um kind of experience growing up in education where it wasn't uh, deemed acceptable to talk about um being lgbt there wasn't that kind of support network for people in schools and we've kind of seen that um, for some people play out so uh, you know they struggle in terms of that family support we we know that some people don't have those structures and that's uh, in some cases been amplified by the pandemic we know that there's been lots of people that have found um, life as an lgbt plus person very difficult because things like the venues um, and the social activities that people would ordinarily um, be able to engage in they can't um, and I think touching on uh, the points um, that, that my, my colleagues have made around coming out that's not a one-time thing that is something that as someone of the LGBT plus community you have to keep doing and so you end up doing that um, when you go to university, maybe in school if you feel comfortable, and then throughout your working life. So in every single situation, um, you kind of have to judge and determine whether or not you are comfortable 
you've got that kind of constant feeling well how is that person going to react so for me um kind of in a working environment i've got that with with my colleagues fortunately um i'm i'm out at work um, all of my colleagues know and they're all really accepting and supportive but when i come across suppliers or go to conferences you do have that whole kind of aspect around how are they going to react are they going to stop speaking to me are they going to react negatively to me and i think that has a big uh, impact on your mental health because you've constantly got to think about how people are going to react and so you've got to kind of judge whether or not you're going to hide part of your identity for me as somebody growing up with a physical disability you know coming out was always a risk because you know the people that around me then were my carers like you know my mum was my carer um she so if she didn't accept me where was i gonna go um you know and, you know, if my family didn't accept me, you know, they cared for me at the time. And then, you know, at school, my essays had to be kind of comfortable with me. I'd have a lot of conversations with, you know, how do we approach this? Like, when we go for, like, toileting or whatever. Um, and school, like, as just was what was previously said, um, they only started the LGBT Lunch Club after we campaigned for years in my final year. Um... So there really wasn't a lot of safe spaces for LGBT people. There was only like one video we watched in class about it and that was all it. But we never got any like sexual health or mental health for LGBT people in education ever. Thanks guys. There seems to be, um, certainly I, I feel around the, the younger um, generation that societal attitudes in general are shifting towards being a little bit more positive to being accepting of the LGBTQI plus community as we've, we've kind of discussed things have have changed a little bit and I think mostly through the, the younger generation and as you kind of touched on the older generation can sometimes find that a little bit difficult and there are still a lot of negative stereotypes that are associated with homophobia, biphobia, transphobia I just wondered um, what your guys' thoughts on why that is and what we can do to go and break the stigma. Um, well, I mean, I don't know why that is because, you know, like my mum really struggles with fear and pronouns for some reason. She keeps going, oh, it's a grammar thing. And I keep pointing out to her actually they then has been used as a single pronoun for ages and we use it, you know, maybe not uncon unconsciously, she uses it. Um, and so my mum keeps making this point of she can't get around baby and pronouns and I keep putting this out to her and it's a genuine constant battle. Um, but my grandparents are absolutely accepted of me. Um, you know, the day I come out, like, sometimes they do mess up my pronouns, sometimes they call me by different names. Not necessarily my dead name, but just, you know, you know, they're in their 80s, so I just kind of let it slip. Um, but they've, they've been the most supportive, and they come from their 30s, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, um, and they've been completely supportive. So I really don't know what this generational excuse is, because I think it's down to people's teachings and their kind of background. Because my grandparents, like I say, they're in their 80s, but they call me their grandson, um, they've referred to me as my name most times, you know, um, you know, so they never, you know, even when they screw up, they realise, you know, they, they made a mistake, you know, 
Um, so they've been really supportive of me, so that's why I can never gap around when people say, oh, it's a generational thing, and it's like, people in their 30s or 40s, and I'm like, well, my grandparents are 80, so odd, you know, and they've, you know, they've lived through the Second World War, and they've, you know, came, they've lived in an age where homosexuality was criminal, where it was, you know, you know, they lived through, like, Stonewall and stuff, you know, they weren't actually there, but, you know, they've lived through that, and they've still came and accepted me as their grandson and their community. So I don't even have an answer, like, what we can do. I think it's just about teaching people, you know, that these people exist, that we've always existed, is for one thing. And second thing, it's just to treat people with respect. It's, it comes down to teaching and that kind of thing, you know, and their background. Some people come from backgrounds where it isn't a thing. I come from a small town, so it wasn't really a thing, but still, we learned, and you can learn, so I don't know really what the excuses for it is. For me, as a young person, I can't really excuse it anymore, because there's the internet in there, and you can learn, but I really, you know, I don't, I don't really have an answer apart from you've just got to get educated sometimes, that's just it, you've got to learn that you are previously ignorant, and I think that's a hard thing to do, but you've just got to sometimes bite the bullet and do it. Yeah, so I think those are, are great points and it is around that education and visibility. I think, you know, for people um, of the older generations, a lot of the kind of media portrayals um, historically were very much negative. You saw all of the kind of uh, police raids um, that took place uh, and all of the kind of historical convictions. Um, whereas what we have seen over probably the last kind of 30, 40 years is actually quite a lot of change. You know, we've had civil partnerships that's evolved into um, same-sex marriage um, and the kind of representations in the media have moved. They've become much more positive. We've got it rather than necessarily it being a um, kind of uh, separate thing that, that, you know, there's an LGBT character in a show to and you know that being the only part of their identity to much more well-rounded and that's also in I would probably say in the last 18 to 24 months is also starting to come through in advertising so we're seeing that much more normalization or usualization of um, LGBT personalities in that way and so I think because we are getting more of that education that visibility rather than it being seen as you know this is someone who's um you know uh committing a crime um so to speak as it was seen um is that's kind of changing the kind of public perceptions and i, I think whilst people can say that there is a generational kind of split and we do see that to some extent it's not exclusively so we shouldn't kind of just um sit back and think oh well it, it, it's all going to be fine because the younger generation are coming through and and you know they're all going to be um nice and kind that is to some extent the case but you know there is still that major uh, minority of um people um within all kind of different generations that do have those kind of uh negative thoughts and feelings um yeah just to jump in i i i want to say that i agree with um what both my colleagues have just said and um especially the emphasis on that it is it 
it's sort of it is sort of a battle because you'll you could go into a situation with a new person and think because of their age that they're not going to accept you or they are going to accept you and then it could be the complete opposite thing and that does hold a lot of it is a really emotional experience and it's it's almost like the uncertainty of never knowing um because as um was pointed out there are quite a lot of old people who are accepting and then there'll be people in my own age group um who will be well from my experience I've had really negative experiences with people that are the same age as me so it is I think maybe the solution to that is just more education more um visibility I mean for me I mean I like you know Ian said it's you know the, well in TV it's become a lot more positive you've got shows like Euphoria um the recent show is a sin sort of exploring what it's like to be LGBTQ in the history of it. And, you know, and those are great stories and they come with great praise. And, you know, and you kind of think of oh, going forward um, in sort of media representation. And it's just how do we bring this into an educational setting? Because it never gets taught widely enough, you know. Um, for a lot of people coming to university, I might be the first trans person they meet or the first bisexual person they meet. So, you know, it's how do we navigate those conversations if they've not been told and how do you get on the resources? Um, which is what I've you know, because sometimes you just wanna be like, Oh, they'll they'll answer they'll ask really you know, questions that are not okay but they don't realise they're not okay questions and you don't know how to answer them because sometimes you just wanna scream at them because you've been you've been hearing this all your life. And so it's time to get that balance within yourself, but also telling people to, you know, use Google, look things up, because the energy, the mental energy that goes into educating people is so exhausting sometimes. So it's really just, it's hard, you know. It's just hard to be like the sole educator, the elder, in a way, to just educate people when they can do it themselves now, especially in this digital age. Absolutely, we're in an age where um a lot of information is readily available at our fingertips. So there, there's no excuse really for um people maybe not understanding or, you know, being being supportive of others. We we all have a right, regardless of our how we identify or our sexual orientation, to to be safe and be part of a welcoming and and war warm environment where everyone is accepted and education opportunities are inclusive for all. What advice would you offer to the university in helping to assist in creating a more inclusive campus and what challenges do we currently face which is stopping us? If I might be so radical, I think it starts with holding people to account. I think this university needs to learn to hold people account when they get things wrong in the communities there are far too many individuals in places of power that are bigoted, if I may be so frank. And, you know, I'm part of the, as I said, I'm part of the transform, and we, we try to advocate for this, you know, we hold events like Trans Day Memorial and things like that. But there have been, you know, times where LGBTQ people have been you know, under attack by their fellow students and we raise it up and it never gets chased up and then those people get into positions of power, whether it's in with certain societies or whatever, 
and we bring it up, we raise it up and they never get hold to account. And what really needs to happen is those people need to kind of face some retribution for that because they're fully pushing their, you know, their transphobic, homophobic agenda on public forums and we point this out and then it gets ignored or it's just, you know, it's not good enough, you know. As a university, it starts with holding people account and saying you're doing something wrong. And, you know, it starts with that and then we go on to educate. But to make this place safer and for people to want to share their experience and educate, you need to hold the people who are doing the wrongdoings to account first, I feel, for us to feel safe and stop giving positions of power to those who are not accepting of students like us, you know, because how are we ever going to feel safe with a lecturer that we know is bigoted or a society president that is bigoted towards a group of people? How are we ever going to feel safe if they're given these positions of power but never held to account for their actions against us? And even when we bring it up, how are we going to, you know, how is the university going to move forward if we don't hold account and say, look, we got this wrong and we're fixing it? And then we can educate because we feel we're in a place that we can educate and speak up. But we're not going to be able to do that if there's people still in power that are going to stop us or are going to threaten our lives. And they've got power and they've got backing and are free to do so because nobody's ever going to punish them or call them out on it. Uh, yeah, I just want to agree with everything James has said. As a, um, I guess, newly joining the LGBTQI plus community, um, I was have been quite unaware of some of the big things that have happened um, in within the university. But um, hearing that, I agree with it. And just going based on my own experience, I don't think the university just putting up a pride flag every once in a while is is going to fix the issue and like when I first came here nearly four years ago I didn't know anything about LGBTQI plus in, in Aberdeen University they didn't make it accessible uh, I felt like I had to go and hunt for that myself even just in Osa um, and it I understand it's really difficult right now because of COVID, so maybe that's why I've just had those experiences, but I do think it it shouldn't just be up to the LGBTQI plus students and faculty to fix this issue and people should be held to account. And because I agree, if that's not gonna happen, then it's not gonna be a more welcoming campus. And I think that sort of does open up to the city itself. Like maybe the city would be a lot safer for us if the university took more stands. So kind of speaking as a, a member of staff um, and obviously someone that's been involved from the kind of university perspective, it's um, kind of disappointing and saddening to hear that those are the experiences that um, kind of our students are facing. Um, I think from, from my perspective, um, I, I was a student um, at, at the university before I was a member of staff. And kind of I've seen that change over time um, as to to kind of how um, experiences have changed. And it's quite interesting, really, um, because when I was a student, the uh, ABFAB, as it was back then, um, was an award winning society. And so, you know, there was that, you know, really um, positive feel. 
at least from the student side around the LGBT plus community. I think from the staff side, we have been on a bit of a journey um, through my time here. We've joined the kind of Stonewall um, Diversity Champions scheme. We've seen kind of slow um, kind of incremental um, progress in improving things. And I'm going to be incredibly biased here because I was quite heavily involved. But through the Aberdeen 2040 strategy, one of the whole strands that we had was around um, being inclusive. Um, and I think that was really powerful. And some of the um, commitments that the university has made um, for the future around um, the different characteristics in making the university a more inclusive environment will hopefully help continue to improve uh, the experiences for our staff, students and um, in, in the local community. Um, just picking back up on one of the, the earlier points around the kind of rise in hate crime, yeah, I think that's something that we, we have seen. Um, I think it's been to some extent amplified by COVID, but there's also been kind of that undercurrent for a while um, and if we look back to some um, kind of surveys that were done back in kind of 2017-2018 um, you know around two-thirds of um, the LGBT uh, plus community uh, wouldn't feel comfortable holding hands with their partner in public. Two-thirds of people that is that's too high that's not acceptable because just imagine um, how that makes people feel. Um, so I think, you know, as a society, there is a lot to do. As a university, there's equally a lot to do. Um, and hopefully, you know, through the continuous programmes of activity and getting some of this feedback, we can work together to make um, it a safer and more inclusive uh, environment for everyone. Thanks, guys. That's been really interesting to hear um, both perspectives from from students and staff. And uh, I do I do concur. Um, I've not been at the university for a huge amount of time um, working there. But even in my, my short time, I have seen that there there is, you know, progress being made, slow progress. And we've got a lot a long way to go. But I think we are we are heading in the right direction and, and doing what we can and hopefully we can we can strive to do even more to make it inclu inclusive for everyone um i think we've had some really great conversations it's been fantastic to hear your experiences and i just wondered if we've got some people listening who are maybe struggling with their identity is there any advice that you would like like to give someone who is struggling right now or who's having a bit bit of a hard time like what what would you say to that person um for me i would just say you're not alone. You're not as alone as you think you are. Um, there are several different organisations that you can go to and you can turn to, you know, such as, you know, LGBTQ plus Scotland. I can't remember the full organisation, but uh, name or Scottish Trans Alliance or, you know, even societies in you know, the LGBTQ form or the trans form that you can turn to or, you know, student support. There are places in the university and in, on the internet, in the internet that you can turn to and, you know, there's people you can call, there's helplines nowadays that you didn't have back then that you can talk to, you, you don't even need to call them, you know. But, you know, finding who you are and finding, 
you know, your sexuality, your identity, it's a journey and it's a long one. Um, it's never clean cut, it's never just like, oh I'm this now, it's, for me it was a bit of an up, down, what am I? Um, so if you're struggling, you know, don't suffer alone. Try and talk to these people, you know, you know, find people, you know, there's always going to be someone out there, you're never on your own. And even though you may think it is, and I know myself what it's been like during lockdown, I live alone. I know what it feels like, oh, I'm alone, but you'll find that actually there's a lot of people going through similar things and will listen. You know, I know what I've said in this podcast is mostly, can be quite negative, but the positive thing I would take away with it is that there are people I found that are, I found my people at university and I can talk to them if I need them. And there are places in university you can go where people will just, you know, hear you and help you and you know without any judgment and I think that's important that we continue to strive to make an environment that is non-judgmental so you can find yourself I think that's the only way you're ever going to discover yourself in in an area where there's no judgment and you can try out different things and different pronouns and different names and whatnot um and find yourself really um it's a it's a long journey I mean it's it's tiring but I think it's worthwhile, but just don't struggle alone. Reach out to any of the forms, you know, societies, friends, uh, you know, alliances or whatever, you know, groups um, out with and in with the university. And don't struggle alone, that's just what I would say. You're never alone in this. Um, even if how, many, how, much, how much you might think you're never alone is what I've learned over the years. And best of luck to you. Yeah, so kind of just to echo and build on that, um, absolutely you're not alone and there are lots of um, sources of support either within the university, you know, either the student networks or the staff networks whilst we are kind of staff focused, absolutely happy and delighted to hear from anyone that wants to to talk. Lots of organisations available online um, or by telephone, um, so you've got things like Switchboard. Um, admittedly, they're based down in London, but have been running a great service um, for for many many years. Um, and I think just remember that it does get better. Um, it's a line that we say quite a lot, um, and you know, it it can feel perhaps a little bit cheesy, but it's true. Um, you know, just in in kind of my lifetime, I have seen the changes that have kind of happened both on kind of a personal level but also on a society level and I think you know we are on that that pathway to improving things um so yeah just remember that um and I think what I would also say is don't feel pressured um you know you might come across people that um particularly if this is the first time um, that you're kind of thinking about exploring things and coming out. You might feel pressured that you've got to come out. You've got to come out in a certain way or, um, you know, to be part of the LGBT plus community, you've got to act a certain way or dress a certain way or be into a certain kind of things. The fact that you're LGBT is one small part of your personality. And as we know across society, there are many different things. We all have many different characteristics and, you know, the interplay between those different aspects. So don't feel pressured to be a particular way or do a certain thing. Take your own time, as we've said, um, and um, yeah, do what's comfortable and what's right for you. 
um, and don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Uh, yeah, just to repeat what my colleagues have said again, because I think personally I find that advice really comforting and and yeah, and I know I have been really hard on um, Aberdeen as a city, but I have still found a lot of individuals and communities online um, who are working to help um, with the situation. So definitely check in on Facebook or Instagram um, and, you know, uh, uh, the ASA forums as well are a really great place. Um, you're definitely not alone. Um, and yeah, I thought Ian's point about um, feeling comfortable is really essential, especially as we've been talking about mental health. Um, this can take a toll on your mental health sometimes and it's important to not um, feel ashamed by that. And if you need to do something to help your mental health, then do it, you know, because you know, you're the most important person in your life. So, uh, yeah, I just, it, it does get better even when it feels like it doesn't, even though that is a cheesy thing to say. It, sometimes the best advice is the most cheesy. Um, and yeah, just please reach out and please ha continue to have hope. Thank you, guys. I think that that advice has been re really inspiring. And if anyone is listening today and struggling, I, I think that will have really really helped them and if we've helped even just one person with the conversations that we've had in this podcast today then then it's been a success I would just like to thank the three of you Ian Mora and Ryan for coming along today it's been great for for you guys to, to use this platform and share your thoughts and your experiences with our listeners I've certainly learned a lot myself um listening to your guys conversation and it's been really enlightening and interesting for me I would just like to reiterate again to our, our listeners, if you are struggling, as the guys have said, please, please know that they are not that you're not alone and that there is support available for you at the university or out with the university. Just speak to someone, anyone, and get that support that you need. Finally, I'd just like to thank our listeners for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Take care and I'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.